Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been in this series. In fact, is I'm ending this series this morning uh, uh, called Shaken. And so several weeks back, we started looking at this subject. Some of the psalmists would write, and they would say things like, like, what do the righteous do when their foundations have been shaken? What do the righteous do? How do the believers respond? How do the believers act? When the world has been shaken, or maybe their world has been shaken, uh, how do we respond, and, and, and how do we walk through those times? And, and you know, it, it was just another reminder to me, and probably to you as well, on Friday when the news came out about the school, that our world is shaken, and our foundations are being shaken. And as a result of that, there are people that are, that are losing hope, and there are people that are giving up, and there are people that are desperate. Well, the Scripture has a lot to say about how believers should respond in these periods and these times. fact is, Paul would tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 all the way through chapter 5, and in other writings as well, that we as believers, that we should live our lives in such a way uh, that, that we make Christianity attractive. In other words, that we live and, wow, we live and we conduct our lives in such a way that we make Christianity, we make, it, it, it's attractive. And so the sad thing is this, there's a lot of Christians that live their life in such a way that they make Christianity unattractive. Whether they're joyless, or they're miserable, or they're boring, or uh, they're legalistic, they're mean-spirited, they're judgmental, or it seems like they conduct their lives exactly like everybody else does, those who do not know Christ. And so what Paul is saying is, 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 is that, you know what, we're supposed to live our lives in such a way, we're supposed to remember that we're Christ ambassadors, we're representatives of him, and so we conduct ourselves, especially when the world's being shaken, that's when people are open to the gospel. That's when people, when they have lost all hope in things that they have put their hope into, they're, they're, they're open to the things of the gospel. Jesus said this, Jesus says that we're a light into a dark world. We're salt into, into a world. In other words, it's a preservative and all of those other things. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, he says, So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has, has chosen. If you life journal with us, and life journaling is just a method that we use here, the daily reading of Scripture, and it's unbelievable the number of emails and letters or conversations I have of people telling me, you know what, I'm telling you, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting us involved in life journaling. It, it has, has radically changed my life. And so if you've been life journaling with us, you know that we've been going through Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, here was one of my verses uh, this last week. It said, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we've got to understand as believers that our kingdom, we're not of this world. We're temporary. We're only passing through. And as a result of that, we have great assurance that guess what? Our kingdom cannot be shaken. Let us give thanks by which we offer God acceptable worship. So the focus passage this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now here's what Paul says, and then Paul fleshes this out in several different ways so that we get this, so that we understand this. So here's what the scripture says. He says, so we are Christ ambassadors. God is, a make, is making his appeal through us. What a responsibility that we are the mechanism in which God has chosen the church to make his appeal to a lost and dying world. So we speak for Christ when we plead to others, come to God, come back to God. So I just want to give you, give you four things this morning. The title of this message is, is Be Contagious. In other words, to live your life in such a way, to live your life in, in, in a different way to where you make Christianity attractive and not unattractive. 
And so, so if we're going to look at this, there's, 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 there's four principles that Paul brings out that there's something contagious about these people who possess these four things, who possess these things in their life. The first one is this, is people are contagious who are transparent. In other words, they're not fake. They're not phony. They don't appear to be smarter than they really are are more spiritual than they really are, more religious than they really are. In other words, they live their life in a transparent, honest way. Wouldn't you say you're attracted to people that are transparent? They're just kind of honest. They're honest about their struggles. They're honest about their weakness. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5.11, he says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. And then here's a phrase that Paul just, just unpacks through here that is, that is so interesting. And so, and so as a result of that, we understand our responsibility to the Lord, we understand that he is the creator. We understand who Jesus is and what he offers us. We understand all that. And as a result of that, we work hard to, we work hard to persuade others. And God knows we are sincere. Now listen, in, in the Greek, that word sincere literally is sincerity or transparent. In other words, that we live honest, transparent lives. And I hope you know this also is what, is what Paul is saying. In other words, Paul comes to the place and says, says we're just transparent and we don't appear to be people that we're we're really not we're just honest Paul was honest about his weaknesses and so I think there's two reasons why we persuade others there's two reasons why we share good news one is this we're commanded to the Bible says that we're salt and, and light and we're commanded to we the Bible says that we make disciples in other words we, we we mentor people we develop people but I think the second thing is this isn't it really human nature when you find something good to share it with someone else. I mean, it isn't just, it is, isn't it just human sh nature when you, when you have good news? Or, or like when you go to a movie, like when we went and saw Captain Phillips, I mean, we're like telling everybody, don't miss this movie. I mean, there's just something about us that when we, when we have good news, we just, it's just human nature to share it. I mean, this morning I was talking with a guy before church, and, and he went to this restaurant, and he's like, you're not going to believe this, on Thursdays, it's chicken fried steak day, and they take chicken fried steak, and they smother it in green chili. I mean, you know, we just have a habit of, you know, I'm like, I am all over that, because really and truly, that's merging my roots, chicken fried steak, from Texas to Colorado, the green chili. So guess where I'm going to be next Thursday? I'm going to be all over that. But there's something about that, right? We go to a restaurant. I had some friends when I was traveling back and forth to Denver. Uh, doing some seminary classes, and they says, well, have you eaten at Chicago Mike's yet? And I says, I've never heard of Chicago Mike's. Ah, you got to go to Chicago Mike's, and here's what you got to order. You got to order a Swanky Frankie. <laughs> now, I'm ordering it just for the name now. And I said, well, what is a Swanky Frankie? And they said, okay, okay, so, so this is something Chicago Mike came up with, and a Swanky Frankie is this, is where he takes this, this hot dog, and he stuffs cheese in it and all this other stuff, and then he wraps it in bacon, he batters it, and he deep fries it. I hope that's, oh, like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and so let me tell you something. And it's like, it, I'm telling you, it's like a spiritual event. I mean, because when you go and you order a Chicago and you order a Swanky Frankie, you can go to the kitchen and watch the cook baptize it in the grease. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's an experience, but there's something about us. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I struggle with allergies, and so I lose my voice, you know, several times throughout the year. And whenever I do, guess what? There's people that are recommending all kinds of remedies, 
uh, whether it's eating local honey, whether it's, you know, whether it's, it's going this person, go that person. So we recognize, doc- we, we, we recommend doctors, we recommend mechanics, we, we recommend movies, we recommend pe- uh, places to, to eat. We rec- so guess what? It's just, it's just human nature that when we have good news, we're dying to share it. And Paul goes on and he says in verse 14, he said, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old, old life, our old way of life. And so what Paul is saying is, is to share, listen, to, to share good news with someone means you care about them. To share good news with someone means that, man, I care about you. I don't want you to miss that movie. I, I don't want you to miss a swanky Frankie. I, I, our, our, our hobbies, you know what? There's always people. If you play golf, you know this. Even people that are crummier than you, they're going to try to give you lessons. They're going to give you ideas, and they're going to share stuff with you. And so to share good news means that we care about each other. And so Paul says this, and as a result, we work hard to persuade others. Now listen, let me tell you something. Let's understand what that word persuade means. That word persuade doesn't mean that, that, we, that we yell at people. And then we argue people into the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't mean that we judge them. It, it doesn't mean that we're obnoxious. It doesn't mean that we're arrogant. That word per- persuade actually means this, that we just influence. We just influence by our way of life. And see, see, Paul was transparent. In Acts chapter 26, Paul gets into a lot of trouble. Uh, he had preached a message that, that, that the community didn't like. And as a result of that, there's like this riot breaking out. And so they go and they arrest Paul. They take him before the court. Uh, King Agrippa is there, and he's kind of the guy over all of this stuff. And, and uh, Paul begins giving his testimony. See, what Paul understood was this. Paul understood that the reason God gives you a platform is to glorify him. Paul understood that wherever I go, I am Christ's ambassador. Listen, we are Christ's ambassador, not his negotiator. And a lot of times we get that confused. We're not argue I, i've never met anyone that said yeah i, I became a christian because someone kept yelling at me or they argued me into heaven or all this other stuff and so we just influence so so paul gets up and he realizes that, that i'm supposed to share the good news that i have and so but he's honest and he says let me let me just be honest with you and he gives his testimony so it's what our testimony should look like see our testimony in three parts it's it's what our life was like before christ how we met him and then how our life has changed since meeting Christ. That's our testimony. And so Paul gets up and he starts saying, you know, i got to be honest with you guys. I was a, light, I was a, lot, a lot like you guys. He was just honest and transparent. There was a time I didn't believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. You know, I, I just didn't. I mean, he, uh, I mean, look at where he came from and all this other stuff. And so I didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He didn't have the pedigree that I thought he should. But then one day I'm on the Damascus Road and I meet I meet God. I, meet, I met the resurrected Christ. And as a result of that, I accepted him. And so King Agrippa just like flips out and says, Paul, you're talking like, like you've gone crazy. You're talking like you're out of your mind. Now, Paul didn't back down. Paul just understood that I'm supposed to share. I'm supposed to influence. Paul didn't say, hey, my bad. I didn't realize we're not supposed to talk about two things, politics and religion. Should have never brought it up. Should have never said anything about my religion. You know what Paul did? Paul didn't even back down. And Paul didn't say, I'm sorry and apologize. And he understood that it, he was just to influence. And so, so Paul looked at King Agrippa and, and said, you know what? These things weren't done in secret. In other words, there were some witnesses to what Christ did in my life. 
And then he asked him a very penetrating question. He says, you, you believe in the prophets, right? Because I know that you do. And we'll pick up the story, Acts 26, 28. And Agrippa inter interrupted him and says, do you think you can persuade me? So there's that word again, just influence. See, I, I think a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves. He said, well, do you think you can influence me to become a Christian so quickly? And Paul replied, so this is such a mature answer. This is when you know someone's very mature in Christ. And so Paul, mature answer, said, whether, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these change. In, in other words, this. A lot of times, believers put pressure on themselves. They invite someone to church. They invite someone to, a, to an event. Uh, they share their faith with someone. And for whatever reason, that person rejects them. They feel rejected. They feel like they've been a failure. See, Paul understood, you know what? It doesn't matter to me whether it's quick or it takes a while. I just understand that I'm supposed to influence. And so Paul didn't fake it, and Paul was, and Paul was, Paul was just, man, he was honest. Isn't it refreshing when you just you meet someone that's honest and they admit their weaknesses, they admit their struggles? They admit some of their struggles in their Christian life and some other things. And, and so, so Paul was just, he was just honest. Verse 11, he says, because we understand fully our responsibility to the Lord, that we work hard to persuade others. And God knows we're in Syria, and I, and I hope you know this too. In other words, this, man, we, we don't try to hide anything. That's one of the, the values of our church, uh, that, we're, that we're just, we're authentic, that we're just real. We're real about some of our struggles. We're real about some of those things. In other words, we don't try to hide anything. There's a, there's a letter I read in, in Reader's Digest. Uh, a girl's mom actually sent the letter in. Her daughter was a sergeant in the Army, and she was, she was stationed at, or sent to Fort Stewart in Georgia for a six-week survival training class. And I mean, it was in the woods. It was in an encampment. It was really difficult. And so she had an opportunity, she could write her mom. So she wrote her mom a, 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 a letter, and she shared part of it with Reader's Digest. They printed it, I quote, this is what she said. She said, Mom, I've met someone here that I would like to get to know better. But we are not allowed to wear makeup, so he has no idea what I really look like. <laughs> so here's the deal. We become so accustomed, so used to wearing makeup and masks and all these other things. Uh, that it becomes normative to us. It becomes normal because we, we appear to be smarter than we really are. We, 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 we appear to be more spiritual than we really are. Uh, we appear all of those. So let, let me tell you something. And Paul is saying, guess what? The most powerful thing you and I can do, whether it's in preaching, whether it's how you lead a ministry, whether it's how you serve in a church, whether it's how you persuade others, that you're just a person of integrity and a person of transparency. To where, to where you're real and there's no pretense. And, man, what you see is, man, what you see is what you get. And you admit your weaknesses. Here's another thing that makes people contagious. They're intense. I mean, people, I mean, isn't that right? Not only someone who's transparent, but someone who's just, just intense. Uh, verse 13, 14. And if it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we're, if, if we're in our right minds, it is, for your, it is for your benefit. In other words, listen, the reason we share good news is for the benefit of the other. The reason we, 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 uh, we persuade others is for their benefit. 
Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that, that, that we have all died to our old life. Now listen, one of the characteristics of someone that is, that is, that is contagious is this issue of, of passion, intensity, or, or enthusiasm. Listen, this has nothing to do with whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. I mean, I've met introverts that are very, very intense and passionate about what they believe. And it's contagious. And I've met extroverts that, that, that the same way. So this has nothing to do with, with whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. What this has to do with is that you're very intense or you're very passionate about, about what you believe. Because we know this enthusiasm is, is contagious, right? Uh, many of you, you may have had a school teacher like I had when I was in junior high school. I didn't like history. I, I, I had... I, I just didn't like history until Miss Smith was my teacher. And Miss Smith was intense, and she was passionate about history to where all of a sudden, you know what, history that year became my favorite subject because of the intensity or the passion of, of Miss Smith. And, and Scripture talks about this issue that, that enthusiasm, listen, I'm telling you, enthusiasm will help you get through a lot of obstacles in life and passion in life. I mean, Paul, in fact, is Paul was so intense that King Agrippa told him, Paul, I, I, think, I think you've lost your mind. I mean, he was intense. I mean, he wanted everybody to be a Christian. And, and I mean, Jesus was, was the same way, right? And, and Jesus was intense, and Jesus had passion. I mean, when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, it's, I mean, Jesus looks over Jerusalem, and it says he wept for them because they were lost and they didn't know their left hand from their their right hand and I wonder when you look over Pueblo what do you see your family or your friends or people that you work with and you see see Paul was and Paul cared about people and and he he writes to the Ephesians in Acts chapter 20 verse 31 he said watch out remember the the three years I was with you my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and, and my many tears for you. And again, verse 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we are, we are Christ ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now listen, let me tell you something. I've done literally hundreds of funerals. And I, I've done all kinds. Of, I, I think I've done every kind of funeral that you can do. I've done funerals where there's just a few in the room. Uh, I've done funerals where, where it was a very, very high-profile funeral, and there were thousands that attended. I've done, I've done funerals because of some of the situations under police protection and all this other stuff. And so I've done funerals for, for people that were Christians, and I've done funerals for people that were non-Christians, and I've done funerals for people that had no... Uh, uh, didn't have a church home, and they didn't have a pastor that would do their funeral, and, and I did the funeral in, in, the, in the community. So I, I've done every kind of funeral. And so here's one of the, one of the, the, uh, the common threads, one of the topics of conversation I hear at the majority of funerals that I do that just breaks my heart. And that's just this, this, is uh, people begin to talk about family, whether it's, whether it's in the chapel, the church, or or whether it's when after the funeral when you're home and you're eating potato salad and fried chicken and all that other stuff, and all of a sudden the conversation gets around to, think they're in heaven? Did you talk to him about God? Did you talk to her? Did you ever have a spiritual conversation with him? Did, it, did, did they ever pray? 
Do they ever talk about God? Do we ever ever have that conversation with them and tell them the hope that is within us? Anybody have that conversation? Why is it we wait till the funeral to worry about where someone's going to spend eternity? Why is it we wait till it's too late? telling you Paul is saying if you love people if you care about their benefit then you're willing to have that awkward conversation it doesn't really have to be awkward if you just understand you're Christ ambassador he's simply making his appeal through you you're not Christ negotiator you're, you're not some prosecuting attorney or anything like that you're just making this you're just making this appeal through him and you're doing it with transparency and integrity listen I'm telling you the world, is, the world is impressed with externals. But Scripture talks that God looks at the internals. This is the third principle, that if you're going to be contagious, that it, it, one of the things is not only are, are you intense and, and, and not only are you, are you transparent, but the other thing is this, you have the ability to see the potential in others. In other words, you're able to see through the externals and you're able to see the potential that is in them, the, the p- potential that they're going to be able to have. Uh, Paul says, verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. In other words, we have stopped evaluating people from externals. That's how the world, right? Uh, how a person looks, how a person dresses, uh, how smart they are, what kind of position they have, the life they have. See, the world looks at externals. At one p- time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now because we have a relationship with him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, and listen, let me stop. Verse 17 was a life-changing verse in my life. I believe this, that if, you, if we can get verse 17 down, if we can understand it, it will be life It took my spiritual life, early in my Christian life, to a, to a whole different level when I understood this. He says, so, so this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anybody who is a Christian, has become, listen, a new person. And the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Listen, I'm going to launch a series Christmas Eve around this thought. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask them Christmas Eve. I'm telling you, we've misunderstood what it means to be a, a Christian in some ways. And that, listen, it is not the new and improved you, it is not just all these behavioral changes. When you become a Christian, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. It's done. Listen, let me tell you something. This is just for free. You know the reason a lot of people hate Christmas and getting with family, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, is because family reminds you of it and reminds you of your old life, how you used to be. For some odd reason, families can't forget that. And so getting with family, all of a sudden they remind you of that bad season of your life, that bad choice of your life. Some of them make fun of you, and some of them, you know, some of them you're, you're the focus of the jokes and all that other stuff. And so a lot of reasons why families don't like to get together, people get together, is families have a habit of reminding you of your old way of life. And even when you say, wait a minute, I'm just not that person anymore. I mean, that's not who I am. I know that was a bad season of my life. God's done something in my life. I'm not that person anymore. And we're going to unpack this. And so I'm asking for the, 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 to start off a new year, what would happen as we as a church, what would happen as you as a believer, commit and say, you know what, I'm going to give the first part of my year to the Lord. 
I mean, it's the principle of first. I give the first part of my income, he blesses. I give the first part of my day, he blesses my day. I give him the first part of my week, he blesses my week. I give him the first part of my year, he blesses my... What would happen if we made a, com, a, a commitment and says, you know what? In January, I'm going to be there every weekend, and I'm going I'm to walk through this process, and I'm going to understand this for myself, what it truly means for your old life is gone and the new life is begun. But here's the deal. People who are contagious, they're able to see the best in you, the potential in you. See, the world evaluates by externals, how a person looks, how a person talks, um, their charisma, their non-charisma. See, they don't look at character, but I'm going to tell you this. Your charisma can take you places where your character cannot keep you. And so we've seen this with sports stars. We've seen this with politicians. Uh, we've seen this with Hollywood stars that all of a sudden their charisma, they can take on places that their character cannot keep them. Because here's the deal, the, po the world only looks at the externals. And the world only looks at, only looks at the externals, but, but Paul says, at one time, I looked at the externals. And I used to look at Christ that way. And so I dismissed Jesus being God, even though John tells us that he was God incarnate, God in the flesh. He said, I missed that. Because he didn't have these worldly credentials. And so, in other words, we need to learn to see people the way that God sees the people. See, that was what was so attractive about Jesus. Jesus was able to see people's potential. You know, with Simon Peter, Simon Peter, when Simon Peter's life was a wreck, and Jesus said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you Petros. Uh, Paul was martyring Christians, killing Christians, and... and uh, Wrote most of the New Testament. How, how about this? The woman at the well. She's an immoral woman. She had five husbands. The man that, that she had, her boyfriend now, she was living with. She's a different religion than Jesus. Everybody, because here's what, you know what Pharisees do? Pharisees judge by externals. Legalistic people, legalistic Christians, you know what they're doing? They're judging you by externals. And so all the religious people of their day, they're judging this woman. Jesus sees the potential in her, and Jesus goes and just strikes up a conversation, even though she's immoral, uh, even though she's a different religion. She accepts him. Who would have ever thought that she would have been such an effective communicator of the gospel? It says that a whole town was changed because of her testimony. I don't know if you're like me, but there are some people in my past that have saw, seen the potential in me when I couldn't see it for myself. And it was a defining moment in my life. It was life-changing. Anybody can be Mr. Criticism, Mrs. Criticism. That's easy. really takes very little t intelligence just to be critical, just to criticize. And that puffs them up and makes them feel like they're smarter than you and better than you and greater than you and all that. Other. But it, really and truly... I can remember the people that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. I, the first time I ever preached here was 1995, and, <laughs> and it, was just, it was just a horrible sermon. There was just nothing good about it. I mean, I think in preaching it, I even fell, as, fell asleep because I was so bored. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just not good. And so um, I went home depressed, uh, went to work the next day. I'm at the church office, and I have my cassette tape of the sermon tape, and it was, someone had laid it on my desk. I'm like, thank you very much. We'll burn it. And, and, uh, and so a businessman called me. He was on his way to work and says, hey, is, is there any way I could just stop by and talk to you? 
I said, and I said, what about? And he said, about your sermon. I said, oh, I hope you guys forgot that. And so, so he says, no, I really need to talk to you. So he, he came by, and he, he never sat down. He said, I don't have long. I'm late for the meeting. And then he, he says, is that your sermon tape? And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, he goes, never destroy that. Never lose that. He said, let me tell you something, Charlie. You had some real deep insight to share, and you have some really good thoughts. The problem is, is your presentation. The problem is, is you're so awkward and you're so nervous. You made us nervous. We're just praying God get him through it. <laughs> right? You've, you've heard people like that. And, uh, and he says, but, but here's the deal. I, I, I saw something in you I'm telling you. If you'll figure out the presentation, God's going to use you in a huge way in this community. Don't give up. I'll never forget that. I know, someone saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. See, there's something attractive about when you surround yourself with people. So they're reminding you of your old way of life and they're reminding you of all your mistakes. And, and they think they're helping you by, by telling you how you could do it better next time, right? What if? What if we quit looking at the externals and we looked at the heart? That's why Paul says, that the, verse 17 again, that this, this old life is gone and, and there's, a, there's a new life that's begun. And this is, just, this is a core value of mine because here's the deal about me. I have never forgotten what it's like to be lost. I have never forgotten what it's like to be without him. Some of you, you may have been raised in church and you may have met Christ at an early age and, and, um, and you don't have the testimony like I have, and that's fine. But when I met Christ, my life was a wreck. And I've never forgotten what it was like. And I've never forgotten those that didn't judge me and saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so this is such a core value of ours that we have pe people in this church that were former agnostics and former atheists. We have people that have come out of cults. We have people that have come out of, of covens. Uh, we have people that have worshipped Satan uh, before here. We have people that have done all kinds of crimes. We had all kinds of people that have, have, have been addicts. Uh, we have people that were immoral. We have people that, that their life has been a wreck and they didn't love their spouses and they didn't love their children. We have people that have, 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 have gossiped and slandered and judged and talked about people. But something happened along the way. And someone saw something in them that they couldn't see in themselves. And so instead of judging them, they persuaded them, they influenced them, they shared. And they understood that, you know what? I am Christ's ambassador. I am, I am, not, I am not God's hitman. I am not his negotiator. I am not his prosecutor. Listen, there, listen, there are some people that view and... and, and, and uh, there's some people that view in America that the way we're going to spread the gospel and the way we're going to evangelize America is through politicians and through government, right? And so they try to get government officials to vote in their laws and all this other stuff so they feel better about their beliefs and all that other stuff. Let me tell you something. After 15 years, moral majority, started 15 years ago, moral majority, evangel evangelical right, started about 15 years ago, right? You know, you know the result of that after 15 years? The result of that is this. Americans just hate Christians. And they view Christians as being angry, judgmental, mean-spirited, hurtful, and all that other stuff. 
telling you, the gospel, what Paul says, comes through us, through the local, not through a government, not through a politician, not any of that. That the kingdom of God comes through, the local church stewards the kingdom of God. The last thing that makes people contagious is this, is that, is that they, they're, really, they're really committed to ministry. The Bible says in verse 18, it says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What an unbelievable task. Who is in Christ. Recon reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Now listen, that is one of my favorite statements, phrase in the Bible. You realize when you're in Christ, the old life is gone, a new life has come, new beginning, and God does not count your sins against you. Now, I know some of you are raised in some spiritual backgrounds to, to where when you get a flat tire or when your car breaks down or, or something bad happens, it's like, ah, God's counting my sins against me. God's getting even with me. The Bible says this. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. I'm telling you, when you get it, when you understand an old life is gone, a new life has started. And it is not a new and improved you. It is a new life. And he gave us this wonderful message of, of reconciliation. I mean, and, and as a result of that, every one of us, we work hard to persuade others. We work hard as a local a church to persuade others, to, per to, to persuade Pueblo, Colorado, where God has placed us. And we work hard to persuade those that we work with and go to school with and we serve with and we, we live next door to or maybe in our family. And it's human nature to share good news when we have it, right? Let, let's say this. Let's say you have two friends and, and one friend is going through a really, really difficult time. And they owe a debt that they can't pay. They owe $50,000. And so as a result of that, they can't pay it. They're losing their job, and so they're losing, now they're losing stuff. People are showing up at the house, and they're taking stuff. They're taking cars, and they're taking boats, and, and uh, it's not long, and they're going to repossess the house and all this other stuff. And so you feel sorry for this friend because they, have, they owe this $50,000, and they can't pay it, and it's not going to be long, and they're going to be on the streets. And you have a wealthy friend, a very wealthy friend. And this wealthy friend hears about your friend that's struggling, and you're having lunch, and your wealthy friend says, you know what, I, I really hurt for them. And so here's what I want to do. I want to write them a check for $100,000, $50,000 to get them out of debt, another $50,000 that they'll be able to use to get their feet back on the ground, um, to get started in, again in life. And, and I just don't want to see this happen to them, and so I want to give them $100,000. Would you please let them know? How long would it take you to tell them? You would hunt them down, right? You'd be passionate. You'd be intense. You'd be transparent. And more than likely, you would see the good in them because you'd say, you know what? If this happens in your life, it's going to change everything. Your friends without Christ have a debt that they cannot pay. It's called sin. It separates them from God. And they can't go to church enough time to earn heaven. They can't do enough good stuff to earn heaven. They got this debt that they can't pay. And we're not going to wait till the funeral to determine where they're spending eternity. Because we care about them and we love them. And we go to them and we tell them our story. What God has done for us. You know this debt of sin that you cannot pay? 
There's a Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. God incarnate. It's a message of Christmas. God with us. And if you'll accept him, he'll give you the gift of eternal life. And that old life is gone and a new life is would persuade them, right? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?